Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, March 31st, 2023, the last day of the quarter, and I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. With me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, we have a number of updates, including some housing information, initial unemployment claims for the week, the third estimate for fourth quarter 2022 GDP overall, and then consumer spending as well for the month in addition to the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, known as the Personal Consumption's Expenditures Index of Inflation. So George, with all that on our plate, let's get right to you to talk about what's happening in the economy and what are your thoughts. George? So, Brian, I guess I would say that uh, this has almost been probably as close to a Goldilocks kind of week that we've seen in quite some time. Um, there was a lot of you know, good news. It wasn't necessarily great, but it wasn't really terrible either. So numbers were pretty, uh, pretty decent across the board. What caught my eye last this, uh, this past week, rather, was uh, better than expected consumer confidence, which in the face of all this turbulence um, in the market and elsewhere, uh, it's nice to see a pickup in consumer confidence. Uh, home prices actually rose again, uh, so some life of signs of life in the housing sector seems to be on the rise. We've often talked about jobless claims as being somewhat of a leading indicator for the employment sector, and they did take up a little bit, but not really in a worrisome way. And actually, the fact that they probably rose uh, very modestly suggests that maybe the, the Fed is, is getting the labor market uh, in a position where they want it to be. And lastly, just to kind of put, a, uh, put a, a, an end to that comment around the um, that the Fed, what they might do, the inflation numbers that came out this morning um, were a little softer than expected. So um, still rising, you know, inflation still up some 5% year over year based on the Fed's favorite measure of inflation. Uh, but that's down a couple basis points from about 5.4% the prior month. And, and then if you take out energy and some other things, it was a little bit softer too. So, so net net, um, you know, the overall uh, economic situation seems to be in pretty good shape. Um, kind of, again, getting to that point where uh, we're seeing this Goldilocks kind of environment where growth is staying uh, pretty robust. Some things are slowing, but not in a really worrisome way. Um, also, I would kind of point out that you know, we're kind of tuned to new, new indicators all the time, but one of the, the more recent set of data points uh, are now focused on the health of the banking sector. And I would just say overall, it's probably less stressful than it was. I wouldn't say the problem is cured, but um, you know, some of the ways you can kind of measure the overall strength or maybe the stress in the, uh, the the financial sector have been reported now on a couple week basis and we've kind of been able to glean some some readings there that suggest that yeah the stress is still there amongst some of the smaller banks uh, but it's become less acute than it was just a few weeks ago um you know one of the negatives that i probably should point out is there does seem to be maybe a, a emphasis on greater regulation and that might be um you know good in the, in the short term but i think that also could probably curtail lending in the long term so we have to be mindful of maybe a, again a credit crunch at some point but nonetheless the overall backdrop uh, for now seems to be pretty stable and has stabilized quite a bit uh across the pond even we saw some some news there too where china's 
services sector um, rose more than expected, um, which is you know, kind of a validation of their, their economy reopening. And even their tech sector, which was really in the crosshairs not too long ago, seems to be, um, you know, some of those concerns seem to be waning too. So overall, it seems like to be a pretty good, uh, pretty good backdrop. And I, I think you kind of you juxtapose that against what we've seen in the markets um, for the past couple of months. You know, we're looking, Steve, at uh, I guess quarter day returns right now. The S&P is looking around six percent in the green. Um, you know, credit spreads have narrowed a bit. Markets are still somewhat concentrated, but it looks like the markets are doing better than expected there too. And I guess we'll probably be um, we'll meet up in about two weeks from now, and by that time we'll be right in the middle of Q1 earnings. So I guess. You know, Steve, I'll, I'll turn it to you first of all. What are your uh, what's your read on on the market, kind of where we are, and what are your expectations for earnings as we head into the um, the all important earnings reporting season? Well, George, you know when we take a look at what the market has been able to do um, during this period of of relative turmoil over the last two plus weeks, two three weeks, I guess um, the word that I would give you is resilient. And you know when you look at the S and P five hundred, I'm, I'm staring at my Bloomberg terminal this morning, um, seeing the S&P within a hair's breadth of making a new 20-day high. And you know, when I would look at uh, things like this, um, as long as the market continues to behave well, um, you know, all, all <laughs> things have a tendency to heal themselves. Um, and you know, we never took out the 65-day low at, at 37.65. We held above the 200-day moving average, and now we've bounced back toward the 20-day. Um, and, you know, things are, are looking fairly sanguine right now. Now, I, I'll caveat that and tell you that, you know, breadth is something that is still concerning. You, you touched on the concentration issues that the market has. The rally really this year has been led by, by, by three mega cap tech stocks. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, the, rest, the rest of the breadth of the market has seen some deterioration underneath. So... I think if we really want to um, see a, a truly bullish outcome here, we need to see things start to broaden out here in the not in, in the not too distant future. Uh, maybe maybe the earnings season here as we head into to Q1 earnings reporting season two or three weeks from now, uh, maybe that'll provide us with a <clears throat> with a positive catalyst. But but I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I've also been really heartened by the fact that we've seen uh, high yield CDS spreads come back in. So credit usually is the canary in the coal mine. It tells you how whether something's going to be really serious or not. Um, during the the teeth of the quote unquote banking crisis that we dealt with here, you saw high yield CDX spreads get over five and a half percent. We're back down to four sixty five as of trading this morning. So we've seen those spreads come in by over eighty basis points. Um, that's a significant move. That's a significant move. So you know, I think that when you take a look at credit performing, okay, you've got equities making new highs, uh, and you see um, these uh, these uh, economic numbers coming in in a way that gives you the idea that the Fed could, um, you know, could could potentially be done. Um, you know, we, it's it's a backdrop that's fairly favorable for stocks. You know, Steve, you talked about the the bad breath, I guess, indicator. That, again, the concentration that you know we've got three stocks really kind of powering the markets higher, meaning that the others aren't uh, aren't performing or keeping up. Um, you know, I also note that some of the the bears out there are looking at earnings for the rest of the year, and um, they're kind of pointing to the fact that I think right now consensus forecast looks like earnings will be down this quarter, the one we're in right now, but then are poised to rebound quite uh, quite appreciably going forward. 
how do you how do you think the earnings setup uh, plays out uh, for the rest of the year in your mind? I know it's kind of early, but kind of get kind of curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know that I'm in, I'm I'm there with uh, with with the the huge rebound in the back half of the year. I think if you take a look historically at the way numbers tend to unfold, um, you see numbers work their way lower through the course of the year. Uh, as opposed to higher. So this would really run counter to the trend that we've had since people have been aggregating earnings data for the past 30 plus years. Um, I think I can count probably two years during that window where earnings numbers moved higher over the course of the year instead of lower. Um, typically analysts are really optimistic um, and then they end up having to mark their numbers down as we go through the course of the year. So I don't know that everybody was really overly pessimistic this year. It seems like maybe from an aggregate, um, that's the case because strategists obviously were came into the year thinking it would be a bad first half and a bullish second half. I think there's still a lot of that kind of baked into a lot of analyst numbers too, uh, where they had this idea that things were going to be uh, better in the second half than in the first half. So we'll see. I mean, I think growth has actually held up really well. You know, I think we came into the year um, and, and we're thinking last year, you know, the story for the year was the inflation story. This year, it's a growth story. And I think growth has really held up a lot better than what people think. I think you're absolutely right about that, Steve. So we've also received, seen a lot of volatility in the bond market. I mean, I don't have to tell you what's happened there, but just to tell our listeners, it's it's striking to me to see uh, yields on the two-year treasury oscillate from north of 5% to well under 4%. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty big move in a short period of time. Um, maybe you could help us put that in context and kind of what you're seeing in the bond market right now that we should be paying attention to. We also had a lot of Fed speakers out this past week. So maybe, again, as always, there's a lot going on. What do you, what's your summary for the week, Rajiv, in terms of what's happening in fixed income? Uh, you're absolutely right, George. I mean, the bond market and the Fed continue to be at odds with each other and their market expectations. Uh, we saw interest rates. Uh, it's really the question of where interest rates end the year at. I think the uh, market anticipates rate cuts this year. Uh, the Fed... Uh, based on the summary of economic projections that they put up, they expect to keep uh, rates elevated for longer uh, for the rest of the year, no rate cuts till next year. So as long as we have those odds going on with each other, the market expectations and the and what the Fed is speaking, and, we, and as you mentioned, we had Fed members this week that reiterated the fact that uh, they're not done yet. They need to bring inflation down. As long as we have those uh, those battling forces with each other, we're going to see that kind of volatility in the bond market. And we saw it recently in the move index. And that's the index that tells us, uh, points towards uh, implied bond volatility. And it continues to see some uh, movement there. And it's a continuation of what we've seen since the banking crisis, since the FOMC meeting, the bond uh, volatility remains there. Uh, and we also saw it, uh, you know, even in, as you mentioned, the two-year treasury yields, they moved higher by 11 basis points this week to over 4%. They're currently around 4.11%. Uh, the 10-year yield has kind of undone its advance that we saw earlier in the week. We're at around 3.5%. So overall, with the uh, with the core PCE number that came out today, that's a little better than expected, Fed members this week, they continue to stress that uh, inflation rates are too high for them. Uh, they want to keep on seeing significant progress to get to 2%. Uh, the Fed will note these numbers, these PCE numbers. That's their preferred measure, as you mentioned, George. Uh, and I think the uh, the core PCA deflator rose a little less than expected. So we do see front end treasury yields move lower. So again, the market is thinking, you know, the Fed is done and uh, and the market's going to continue to move that way. And we see that in the two year, which is the most sensitive to monetary policy. But we have seen the yield curve uh, move a little steeper. And if you look at credit spreads, I know that uh, 
that uh, Steve alluded to credit spreads. You know, credit spreads have done what they're supposed to do. Uh, credit spreads are showing a lot of confidence in the market right now. Uh, we saw credit spreads that were tighter after a month of widening. For March, we widened about 15 basis points in investor grade. It doesn't seem like a lot. And if you if you put a chart up, it's nowhere near where we were in 2020 or 2008. But we had to see some widening based on all the headlines that we were seeing. And we saw 15 basis points of widening in investment grade. Uh, but this week we tightened by six basis points. So it's very quick how things can change. We've also seen investment grade issuers take advantage of lower rates. When, when yields dropped, as you mentioned, George, when yields dropped, we saw issuers come out in droves. So we saw a lot of issuance in investment grade taking advantage of lower rates. Perhaps they won't be there for forever. So they came out and uh, we did see some issuance. But credit spreads have been resilient uh, throughout all of this. And I, and I think that points a lot to the market. You mentioned Fed speakers. We did see Fed speakers this week. Barkin came out and said that the Fed can raise rates more if inflation persists. Collins came out and said that more tightening is needed. Even, and she says, and she mentioned that banks are strong. So as long as that notion that banks are strong leads to financial stability, you could see that uh, rhetoric from Fed members come out to say that uh, they're not done yet. Well, it definitely seems like resilience is the, the word of the day, at least the word of this call. Um, I also would note that the markets, while they're concentrated, they become so uncorrelated again. So we have to pay attention to the fact that now stock prices and bond prices are moving more together again, which again, in our, in our view, is not a bad thing, but it really deserves monitoring in the sense that when we think about building portfolios, uh, we want to make sure that the portfolios can withstand certain shocks and uh, and and be cognizant of how when they when, when asset classes become correlated, how we can structure portfolios to provide probably more resilience to kind of pick up uh, on the theme as well. So uh, wish everybody a good uh, good rest of the week and a good week ahead. And as always, we'll be staying attentive to all these things that are going on in the world because there sure is a lot going on these days. So thanks everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon. And thanks for the conversation today, George, Stephen, Rajiv. We appreciate your insights as always. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.